0: Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and you're listening to The West Block. Over the last three weeks, the Canadian military has been shaken by allegations of sexual misconduct by those trusted to lead the troops at the highest levels. Powerful men responsible for the country's national security and defense, tasked with setting the example of rooting out sexual misconduct in the forces. Now the country is in the unprecedented scenario of the last two chiefs of the defense staff under police investigation. And there are questions about how widespread the problem is. So, how did we get here? On February 2nd, Global News broke the story that General Jonathan Vance was facing allegations of sexual misconduct with two subordinate women, just weeks after leaving the post of Chief of the Defense Staff. Within 24 hours, the military announced an investigation into Vance, and the groundbreaking interview Major Kelly Brennan came forward to tell her story to Global News.
1: If he rang me on the phone or if he texted me, I was obliged to get back to him.
0: The allegations of abuse of command authority, complicity at the highest levels of the military and hypocrisy triggered more police investigations and questions about bad behavior from the brass. By late Wednesday night, the new Chief of the Defence Staff, Admiral Art McDonald, in the job for just six weeks, stepped aside because of an investigation into himself for alleged sexual misconduct. The country has had three Chiefs of the Defence Staff in six weeks. Military sources call it a reckoning as they prepare for an unprecedented investigation into who knew what when, who was doing it and who may have covered for them. Is this finally the moment for change? We sat down again with Major Kelly Brennan. Major Kelly Brennan, who gave the interview last week that started a national conversation about sexual misconduct in the military. It's been a week since we sat down, since that landmark interview, and a lot has changed. We have had a chief of the defense staff who's had to step aside under police investigation. There are more police investigations opened after the allegations that you raised in your interview. I can't imagine what this week has been like for you. What has happened since we last talked?
1: I've received so many uh, people talking to me, calling me emails, people bringing their stories to me and um, reaching out for help. Were you surprised by, by the volume of what you got? I was astounded. I never thought this would happen. I never thought there would be so many women needing a voice.
0: How did it feel to, to read those emails and to get those calls? It was gut-wrenching.
1: So many of them told me that they had called out, that they had made reports. And it fell on deaf ears.
0: Nothing happened. Do you get the sense that now, now after all of this, that this is going to be critical mass, that this is going to be the moment when it's not just words, but it's action?
1: It needs to be. Women need to come together and stand together and create that change. We need to be the ones that actually do something to change within ourselves and within where we work.
0: I know that you have a message you wanted to share with other women out there, other members of the forces who've been victims of misconduct. What is it that, that you want to say to them today, Kelly? It's just that I, I couldn't be more
1: touched by all of the emails, all the stories, all of the people opened up to me and told me things they They had a hard time voicing, Um, and I think that we need to bring that positive change now. I think that collectively, I've heard that they've reported it, that they've given binders of information to the police, that they've uh, written letters to the ombudsman, um, that they've cried out, and other women, too that their voices are still yelling in silence. So I believe that we need to come together. We need to, to look at a plan of how we can change this. And for that to happen, I'm, I'm calling on all women to hold my hand I'm not any stronger than anybody else. And I think that holding our hands together and collectively, if each woman can come up with one solution, one change that they want, and send it to me, I'm going to make a list of them all. And that list will be our roadmap to the change that we need to make we're that force that's gonna roar and be heard.
0: I have gotten so many emails from mostly women in the Canadian forces saying Major Kelly Brennan is made of steel. Mm. She has so much courage and so much strength and and I too am a victim and I'm, I'm wondering if I should find my voice, if I should speak out. How did you feel after you took that exceptional step of doing a national television interview?
1: Free. It's the
0: only one word, free. Kelly, some people are wondering whether the military can solve this internally. Do you think that's possible? I don't. I don't think it. I don't think
1: that the military can solve this problem. It's not a military problem. It's a personnel problem. In that, I mean that. It, it, this exists in society, this does, exists in other
0: businesses, but it's just more pronounced in the military. I know there's a police investigation into this. It's the Canadian Forces National Investigation Service, a specialized branch of the military police. I've spoken to some police officers who think they're not the ones who should be investigating this, that an institution shouldn't investigate itself. Do you think the NIS is capable of carrying out this investigation? I don't
1: think that they have enough resources and personnel
0: qualified at a level for this type of investigation. And you used to be a police officer? Yes. So you know something about this? I do. All right, I know they sent three male investigators to your home. You didn't have a victim support officer at first until we called them.
1: Um, well, they gave me a pamphlet and they opened it to the right page and, and told me to call. Is this part of the systemic problem in the forces, when, when victims report? It's because it's, you're made to feel very lonely in this, but anybody who has already been in these worlds, when I see the way people are approaching it in this situation, I have all the hopes in the world that they do their job, but I can already see that they're not poised for success.
0: And you're worried about the outcome of this investigation?
1: I don't think there'll be an outcome of the investigation. What does that mean? It means that to reach the level of proof that you need, you have to have investigated all of the allegations. If you're only too deep, meaning two people, it's impossible to have followed up on all the leads or questioned all of the people involved.
0: Kelly, is there anything else that you want to say to Canadians that I haven't asked you? Support our military.
1: We're going through a lot, and I want all
0: Canadians to believe in us. And thank you for sitting down with us again, Kelly. We appreciate it. The government continues to dodge questions on who knew what about the allegations of misconduct against the last two chiefs of the defence staff. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan's office told Global News the minister only became aware of the allegations and investigation into Admiral Art Macdonald a number of weeks after the change of command, but gave no specifics. On Friday, I asked Prime Minister Justin Trudeau where the political accountability is from his government. My inbox is full of emails from women who have experienced sexual misconduct in the Canadian Armed Forces under your government's watch and today you're telling us that everyone has the the right to a a safe workplace, that that you're committed to that. But you extended the term of a Chief of Defence Staff who is accused of sexual misconduct and under police investigation. You personally appointed another Chief of Defence Staff who had to step down six weeks later due to this. And the only answers we're getting in terms of accountability is that an email was sent to the Privy Council Office and that you're committed. What do you say to these women? who are wondering whether you're actually serious about this and what steps you're going to take because they're feeling like they're losing trust in the chain of command, that this is systemic at the highest levels of the military, and that your government is not taking action.
2: I think what we've seen uh, with the uh, current Chief of Defence Staff choosing to step aside because of these allegations demonstrates uh, that the military uh, and that the government takes extremely seriously any allegations uh, of the sort. Uh, We have done that, I have personally uh, done that as leader uh, from the very beginning, and we will continue to ensure uh, that everyone who works in the government uh, or in the military or anywhere across the country is heard when they come forward uh, with challenges uh, or allegations or or concerns. Uh, We have a lot of work to do uh, in uh, our systems Uh, in our workplaces across the country to continue to move forward on making sure that they are safe and free from intimidation and harassment and uh, sexual assault. Uh, We have made great strides as a country uh, over the past years, uh, over the past decade, but there is an awful lot more to do. And I think if uh, we can highlight, as we have, that uh, no one is out of reach of Uh, concerns and allegations like this, that they will always be taken seriously. Uh, And I want to say to anyone uh, who has survived uh, incidents or uh, issues of sexual assault that we will be there uh, to listen, to hear them, to work with them, uh, and to move forward through processes uh, that uh, will get to the right answers.
0: The allegations have rocked the defence establishment. I spoke with former second-in-command of the Canadian Forces, retired Vice Chief of the Defence Staff, Lieutenant General Guy Thibault, who was Vance's boss when some of the misconduct was allegedly carried out.
3: It came as a huge shock to, uh, to hear the news uh, about General Vance uh, when it, uh, when it uh, came out and uh, very disappointing.
0: We asked General Thibault to explain why in the military in particular, relationships in the chain of command are against
3: the rules. Two members of the Canadian forces can be in a personal relationship if if in fact it's uh, it's declared. But this issue of the chain of command is is really quite important because in our system of military organization, uh, our ranks that we have that, uh, that allow uh, us to organize and to, to be organized and to follow uh, lawful orders is really essential for the conduct of our operations and uh, to, to carry out the important missions that the Canadian Forces have. And in the, uh, the way we're structured, uh, our commanding officers have uh, you know, the responsibility to, to keep the welfare amendment, their heart, but they also are really involved in all aspects of their careers, their their career development, the, the opportunities that they have for uh, for advancement and promotion, for uh, for training. Uh, and in that sense, we never will want to put a, uh, uh, an individual in the position where uh, the relationship that they have will either be seen to be influencing that career or conversely to be holding it against that person in, an, in a negative way.
0: And what does it all mean for the troops, those who put on a uniform and agree to risk their lives for their country? I spoke with research fellow Dr. Lena Tamcito at the Centre for International and Defence Policy at Queen's University. She studies the health and well-being of Canada's military members and veterans. What kind of health effects does it have on the women and men of the Canadian Armed Forces when this kind of behaviour is being perpetrated within their organisation and in some cases by their commanding officers and, and from very powerful generals and admirals?
4: it has significant health impacts and not just for the um, members themselves who are um, survivors of uh, sexual misconduct but it affects everyone around them um, and has long-lasting impacts on themselves and their families. Uh, The work that I've done with regards to um, health and well-being um, has recently been focused on a lot of um, the issues that veterans um, experience as they transition out and for many of them that I've um, had the honor of speaking to, uh, they have been subjected to, uh, you know, sexual misconduct. And this is something that they carry with them, you know, for members that are, you know, actively, you know, serving, this is, you know, this impacts the way they, you know, function, you know, operationally, their ability to do their job, but also it affects their, their, uh, relationships outside, their family, their friends, um, and how they sort of view, uh, the armed forces as an organization, you know, whether or not they can trust an organization. And, and trust is such a key piece of being um, a, a member of the Canadian Armed Forces because of what they're, uh, what people are expected to do. So, you know, it has significant impact on, um, on their health and well-being, you know, as serving members, but it has, you know, really long-lasting impact as
0: well. Sources tell me the probe that will sweep through defence will be different this time, deeper and broader, and that more investigations may be opened in coming days as more members of the military speak out. U.S. President Joe Biden gave one of the strongest statements yet from an American president calling for the release of the two Canadians arbitrarily detained in China. It's now been more than 800 days since Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig were put behind bars in Chinese prisons following the arrest of Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou in Canada on a U.S. extradition warrant. Joining me now is Vina Najabula, Michael Kovrig's wife, to share more of Michael's story. Bina, thank you so much for taking time for us today. We hope that you're well. I know this is always a difficult topic to speak to, and we really appreciate you joining us and sharing your thoughts. There were some significant developments on the story last week in terms of President Biden actually coming out and talking about the two Michaels. And I want to read for our viewers just what he said. Let me reiterate our support for the release of those detained in China of the two Canadians, Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. Human beings are not bargaining chips. We are going to work together until we get their safe return. What did you think of the President's comments Do you think this will make any kind of a difference?
5: Thank you, Mercedes. Um, Hearing President Biden say those words was really emotional. Uh, Having him refer to Michael and to Michael Spavor by name to call for their release um, was moving. I really felt that. His words that human beings are not bargaining chips are powerful. And, And what I took away from that is that... President Biden has compassion for the unjust suffering that our Michael and Michael Spavor are going through, as well as that he understands that Canada has been paying a really high price since it um, accepted the extradition request from the U.S. two years ago. That, That was moving. And then finally, his public commitment that the U.S. will work with Canada to secure their release and to make sure that they're safely home um, was really significant. And now I hope that our government uh, will seize this moment and will work very closely and urgently with the Biden team to translate those important words into action so that Michaels are, in fact, free.
0: I want to ask you about how Michael is doing What have you heard about the consular visits and how is his health? How is his state of mind?
5: So the last consular visit was uh, in the middle of January. Uh, We haven't had one yet in February. And uh, at that uh, visit, Michael appeared healthy. Uh, He is staying uh, mentally strong. He is uh, continuing uh, to be incredibly disciplined about his um, regimen around uh, meditation and exercise and, and reading and um, what was really striking in one of his recent letters is he noted that there's um, moments where we don't have control over much, but no matter how difficult our circumstances, we have control over where we focus our attention and kind of where our awareness goes. And and what strikes me is, I mean, his situation is so incredibly unspeakably difficult, and he continues to stay Focused on what he can control, his thoughts, his attitudes, um, reciting prayers, um, reading, and really, really trying to stay as mentally healthy as possible.
0: It's just remarkable the resilience that he has, and and you too. I know that it must be incredibly difficult to read those letters and then and share them with us. So thank you for being willing to do that. When you saw. Meng Joe's family come to Canada, and we found out that they were able to, to come here and, and visit her. And to my knowledge, um, you have not been able to go and visit Michael. Michael Spivor's family has not been able to go and visit him. Uh, what did you think of that?
5: Um, you're right. Our only contact uh, with Michael for the last two years has been through consular visits and, and letters. Um, of course, uh, I, I want more access to Michael, but my focus is on uh, bringing him home, on making sure that he's freed. Um, it's not about me going to China to visit him there. I, I want him to come to Canada. I want him to come home. And our focus is on securing his freedom and, in the meantime, uh, improving his conditions as, as much as possible.
0: I know we'd heard reports from the Wall Street Journal. There was a possibility the U.S. Department of Justice was looking at a plea bargain that would allow Meng Zhou to go home, and some have speculated that may or may not trigger the release of the Michaels. Have you heard any updates on that, Vina?
5: No, not on that, but um, I took heart from uh, President Biden's meeting uh, with our government as well as with um, the meetings that have happened later this week between uh, Secretary Blinken and uh, Minister Garneau. I believe that those conversations and the commitment of the U.S. uh, to work with Canada to secure their release is significant. Uh, I believe the U.S. has a number of tools at its disposal. Uh, It can explore a variety of options to uh, bring an end to the extradition request through whatever means settlement deals, uh, and also to work with China to make sure that um, there is a broad consensus and understanding that this situation is serving no one that human beings are suffering unjustly that their detention is not only unjust but it is unnecessary and that it can and must be brought to an end Um, so that is the focus now it's translating that public commitment and a statement of solidarity from president biden from secretary blinken um into action um it is time and we finally i believe can end this and, and bring michaels home
0: Vina, thank you for joining us. Our, our hearts are with you and with Michael. We're thinking of you. Thank you for your time.
5: Thank you so much for having me and for continuing to highlight Michael's and Michael Spavor's plight. Thanks, Mercedes.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for today. For the West Block, I'm Mercedes Stevenson and I'll see you back here next Sunday.